Hello everyone, my name is Drew Creaseman, and welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. If this is your first time here, hi, and sorry for this odd message. For those of you who have been with us for years, here's what's going on. My brother Ira and I created this show as an incredibly small adventure that was just for fun, and something we really didn't think anyone would listen to, honestly. At first we were right. We couldn't afford to host the podcast on normal services, so we just published it on something called archive.org, basically a free public library, which is great, but really nobody could ever find it. Despite the odds, though, we did grow a dedicated audience, a small one, but you guys are awesome. And at that point, one of you actually suggested to us that we create a Patreon page so more people could actually stream the podcast you know, on normal podcast devices. there It allows you to do that, but it's a little bit complicated how. So we did for a few years. It was a better but imperfect system, uh, you know, where people could find the show, but it still wasn't really hosted natively on iTunes or anything like that. So you still had to know we existed to come and find us. But last November, my former boss at my sports company, my former sports company, offered to host our podcast for free on their site. So that finally allowed us basically to put our show out there for free to as many people as possible. It's just on iTunes, and that's how most of you were probably listening to the show starting last November with episode one. Then we would post one a week. We were about 35 episodes into that process. Now, remember, these had been recorded years ago, and we were re-uploading them. We were about somewhere in the middle of Final Fantasy VI, and then I got fired in a pretty unceremonious fashion. And if you want to hear more about that, you can check out my personal Patreon page, which I'll mention in just a minute. But for this Final Fantasy podcast, for the third time now, we are going back to the very beginning and going to upload every single episode onto something called Anchor. So it'll still be totally free for everyone to listen to on iTunes and Stitcher, and I think it's on Apple and all those things. I hope it's going to be on whatever you know, device that you use, whatever app you prefer for your podcasts. Um, for those of you that are eagerly anticipating the next episode of where we were, though, I'm really sorry to say that it is going to take us a while to catch up. going to probably post an episode every weekday until we do get caught up, and then we'll go back to it being once a week. Uh, if you really just can't wait for the next one, you, you don't want to wait several weeks before that next Final Fantasy VI episode we were at. We've actually recorded up through almost all of Final Fantasy VII. You can find those episodes on patreon.com slash ffweekly. I am sorry to say that in order to hear the newer episodes, you're going to have to pay a dollar a month. It's just the only way we could host them and we can't really afford to pay for it right now. But if you binge them, they're all up there now, so if you pay that $1, you can listen to as many episodes as you, as you want and, and get right out. I, I don't like making people have to pay for the show. It was never our intention, but that's how you can listen to the future episodes if, you're, if you don't want to wait for us to repost starting from the very beginning. And finally, any and all support from my new Patreon page at patreon.com slash dcproductions. It's Drew Creaseman, right? DC Productions would be greatly supported. I'll be posting a bunch of additional Final Fantasy content that you won't find here on the show or on the Final Fantasy Patreon page. There'll be shorter podcasts and lists. I'll probably do some written content. I've also got original music on there, podcasts on comic books and comic book movies, Star Wars, other video games, basically all the nerdy stuff that I love that I was never able to talk about in my old job. So the more support I get, the more of that that I can do, 
If you have the means, I would. it would mean the absolute world to me. If you don't, just spreading the word about it. If you've enjoyed our Final Fantasy podcast and you'd like to support, again, it's patreon.com slash dcproductions. Ira and I really deeply do apologize for the inconvenience. We can't wait to get back to this grand Final Fantasy adventure that we have set out with all of you on. So we'll be back at it. We thank you for your patience. And now, the first episode of Final Fantasy Weekly. Welcome to Final Fantasy Weekly. I'm Drew Creaseman. And I'm Ira Creaseman. And welcome to the very first episode of Final Fantasy Weekly, a podcast we hope to be a long-running series where my brother and I dive deeply into the world of, or the worlds, I should say, of arguably the greatest role-playing franchise in video game history, arguably one of the greatest franchises genre non-specific in video game history, Final Fantasy. Celebrating their 30-year anniversary this season, we'll be going through all of the main entries in the series. We'll be going through some of the side stuff as well, but uh, ultimately we are here to talk about a franchise that we feel is worthy of a deep dive in terms of its analysis of themes, plots, characters, absolutely music. I just went to a Final Fantasy concert actually last night as of the recording of this podcast. So we're going to get into all of the things that we love about a franchise that 30 years ago, legend says, Ira, that they were on the brink of no longer being a video game making company that is Squaresoft. And in their last ditch effort to save the company, and make a game that they wanted to make. A team led by Hironobu Sakaguchi got together and created what they thought would be their final game, their final fantasy, if you will, and so goes the story. But, as you just recently told me, uh, maybe just an urban legend that they let grow because it's awesome. Right. According to an article I read on Kotaku, uh, Mr. Sakaguchi recently did a, an interview where he talked about the name Final Fantasy, but that the word final maybe wasn't based upon the studio shutting down. He says that uh, the word could have been anything that began with the sound, that the uh, it was more about the alliteration, that the Fs sound nice in Japanese, apparently pronounced Efu Efu, though not speaking Japanese or being a student of it in any way. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. Well, you know, it's interesting uh, you bring that, that up because you remember I took a couple of years of Japanese in college. And mm -hmm. although mm -hmm. I was absolutely miserable at it, uh, <laughs> I, I did learn some of the basics. And one of the things that's really interesting is they have three different languages, not languages, it's one language, but they have three different alphabets. One is uh, just right. like the pictures that kind of are words in and of themselves. One is their more phonetic language and and one is a phonetic language that's used typically to spell out words in foreign languages and it's interesting because you're, there's some things like there's not a jap there's not just a japanese word for like i think the color gray was one <laughs> it's like really there's not just a japanese word for that but final fantasy in 
Japanese is spelled out in that phonetic language. If I recall correctly, katakana, and it's finaru fantasy. And it's, so it is a, you know, they didn't use the Japanese words for final and fantasy, which there are Japanese words for those two things. Right. And and he does explain that further the studio did seem like it was in its end times, but yeah, it could have been just about any words. So it's interesting that they decided to uh, name it using English words in their phonetic alphabet, uh, and that they chose they chose it based on alliteration, uh, which is an interesting writing choice. One of many interesting choices I'm sure we will talk more in depth about. Yeah, and when we're jumping the gun on, on themes and stuff as well, but just a, an immediate early indicator of one of our favorite things about the franchise, which is that it is a blend of cultures. It is never just one thing. Even in its name, it is a combination of Eastern and Western sensibilities. Edit from the future. Check out Final Fantasy Union's extraordinary multi-part YouTube documentary series on the founding and creation of Squaresoft and Final Fantasy. There are two parts into it. It's 10 out of 10 stuff. Cannot recommend more highly everything they do at Final Fantasy Union. We also wanted to mention that this is not going to be just a retrospective of the franchise. In fact, there is something specifically called the retrospective, and I doubt anyone who's clicked on this isn't familiar with the wonderful work that they've done over at Game Trailers. If you're not, and for some reason you want to listen to this podcast, but you're not totally familiar with what the Final Fantasy franchise is, check out that series and then come right on back. <laughs> but what? Yeah, one of the things we're assuming is that if you've clicked on this, then you are a fan of Final Fantasy, because we will be going spoiler deep in as many episodes as we get to do about this. So do not expect this to be something that doesn't offend your spoiler sensibilities if you haven't already played the series. Right. And so we may find ourselves, for example, in a conversation in the very first Final Fantasy game talking about how it relates to events in Final Fantasy VII. So that's just, you know, it's going to happen. But as they say, say one of my favorite quotes of all time in Alice in Wonderland, let us start at the beginning. (laughs) And when we come to the end, we'll stop, but that's not going to be for a while. Why don't you take us back? Because your earliest memories of Final Fantasy are going to both predate mine and also match up with mine because you were the person who introduced me to the franchise. Well, sort of, but we'll get into that. But take us back to your earliest memories of discovering what this thing was. So for me, Final Fantasy was released in the U.S. in 1990, and as I recall, I rented it probably from City Market, when City Market still had video rentals. Yeah. So I was uh, eight or nine years old, which I think would have put me in about fourth grade, and I did not understand what I was doing with this game. I was used to Mario and Mega Man and Metroid and Castlevania and that sort of stuff. I was used to jumping on platforms. (laughs) Oh, I loved Excitebike. Remember Excitebike? I 
I still love Excite Black. I would play that game again. In any case, so I did not get it. We just had these guys on this mostly featureless background, and I understood the menu, and I understood I was attacking, but the whole system didn't really make sense to me. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't get it, I am sad to say. Yeah. Uh, but then I got a, I had a friend, I, I'm pretty sure in fifth grade, who had the old, it wasn't old at the time, who had the Nintendo Power Strategy Guide to Final Fantasy, and that, that I thought was fascinating. And we would, during recess, because we were nerds, he would run a sort of D&D campaign with me during lunch using that strategy guide. I didn't so know I, that. Uh, you know, I, I didn't actually know that story. So that's another reason why I'm glad we're doing this, because that's cool. So the first Final Fantasy game that I bought and played all of the way through, still I was still ignorant of what Final Fantasy was at this point. And I know this is going to disappoint some people, but the very first Final Fantasy game I bought and played all the way through was Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. A game yes. that will get, will absolutely get its own set of episodes, because I'm pretty sure when we talk about individual games, we will need more than one episode. And I'm guessing five or six episodes minimum for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. <laughs> I'll be shocked if we get two, but yeah. Well, okay, fine. If I get one, I will be happy. And I, I loved the game. Again, uh, I didn't really understand what Final Fantasy was at the time. I didn't understand some of the throwbacks. I didn't understand that it was uh, a simple game meant for beginners. But for those who mock Final Fantasy Mystic Quest as a dumbed-down American version for beginners, well, for me, it worked. It really it, it sold me on Japanese role-playing games. It sold me, eventually, when I realized that it was connected, it sold me on Final Fantasy. And I, I still occasionally play that game that's fantastic because i definitely had the experience because you went through that and we'll get to the next part of your story here in a second but of going backwards my first final fan and i think i had kind of seen maybe you play a little bit of final fantasy one and and kind of just did not register at all and so my first experience, and this is funny because this has happened to me a lot in life. I was just talking with somebody the other day about what my first hip-hop album was. Not that this has a whole lot of relevance to people listening to this, maybe, but it might. But the first hip-hop album I ever got was Illmatic from Nas, which is one of the greatest hip-hop records of all time. The very first Final Fantasy game I ever played, the very first RPG that I ever played, was Final Fantasy VI. And, and that's like, you, you just jump into this thing with one of the very best that there ever was. And then, so going back and playing Mystic Quest after the fact, I do have more of that, I think, the kind of consensus opinion of, oh, this is dumbed down Final Fantasy right. for people who don't get it, you know, because I, I, I grew up on the, the, the sweet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if, if I recall correctly... You and I did play that original Final Fantasy, rented Final Fantasy together, but it wasn't, it, you know, it didn't stick. Uh, if I right. was eight at the time, you would have been, what, four? Or if, yeah. somewhere in there, yeah. And then for Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I was 10 or 11 at the time, which would have made you five or six. But again, I, I just don't think you were as interested in that as you were Excite Bike, for example. Right. <laughs> so Final Fantasy three in the US better known as Final Fantasy 6 by its actual name was that 94 maybe 95 yeah. when we first played it I'm pretty sure yeah yeah and we were at our aunt and uncle's house uh, down in Texas 
and Uncle Dave had it, and that's yeah. That for me too. That is the one where I, I fell in love with Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy VI is such an amazing narrative, has such amazing characters and music, and just the graphic style. Even now, is is incredible. One of the things that really stands out to me also about that trip was I remember desperately wanting to play Mortal Kombat with Uncle Dave because I think he was probably the only adult at the time we knew who played video games. But our younger cousin was still, you know, at the age where that was inappropriate. So we had to wait for certain times. And it was in waiting till late at night to play Mortal Kombat that we were watching him play Final Fantasy three on the Super Nintendo. And suddenly I didn't care about Mortal Kombat anymore. It kind of redefined for me what an adult video game playing experience was. And as I recall, we came home that summer and bought our own version of Final Fantasy III, and we bought Final Fantasy II, now better known as Final Fantasy IV by its real name, and Breath of Fire, and, and Chrono Trigger, and Mario yeah. RPG. That That's where we got into, assuming I've been calling correctly, where we really exploded on the JRPG bandwagon. Though it wasn't quite as bandwagony then. Right. But man, did we go in without really knowing anything other than one game that we wanted to the Game Dude. Game Dude. The old <laughs> Game Dude buy, sell, trade video game stores that mom and pop, they had a couple of them out there in Grand Junction. I still remember the uh, the commercials with the Bulldog. Was that anywhere uh, other than Grand Junction? Is that something anybody who's not from this town is going to know? Probably not, but I'm sure there are a lot of people in their own towns that had little buy sell trade video yeah. game stores that don't really exist anymore yeah. because the big ones kind of do that now but they rip you off way more than they used to back in the day you could walk in buy outside of the box i don't think we got the i think we got the box maybe for chrono trigger we did have a um, box for chrono trigger and for 6 but i think the one we had for final fantasy 4 was yeah. one of those plastic cases that you would get when you rented cartridge games yeah yeah <laughs> and what do we pay? Like fifteen or twenty bucks a piece, yeah. maybe yeah. for like four or five of the greatest games of all time. Well, and they threw um, in. And, and we had no idea what Chrono Trigger was right. either. I remember the guy putting it in the the machine to show us, and it just we watched the beginning where like the balloons pop and stuff. Yep. And we will talk about the Chrono stuff. We'll do all the Final Fantasy stuff first. I think we'll find we, time to talk about we'll Chrono slide Trigger it in and there Chrono somewhere. Cross. Yeah, we'll get it in there. But we just saw that opening. And we're like, give us that one. Right. And they threw it in <laughs> for less. They, we got a deal yeah. on Chrono Trigger, which, looking back, is kind of stunning. It really, really is. What's funny to me, too, is that, like, you talked about that trip down to Texas to stay with our aunt and uncle and, and discovering the game, and I hadn't even remembered this until just right now, and I can't recall what they had, but there was a little music device. Yes. <laughs> you remember where I'm going with it this? It was a little keyboard thing, yeah. It was a tiny little touch keyboard thing and did we get to the part did i learn the opera yep. is the very first song i ever randomly learned how to play and i think yeah. it was the little we picked it out yep. yep we picked it out on that goofy little keyboard thing and yeah just finding at, at the melody at a pretty young age yeah just finding the melody and picking it out and wow just thinking back on it <laughs> Who knew that one day I would be a moderately successful and then failed musician? <laughs> <laughs> All thanks to Final Fantasy VI. That's right. 
All roads lead right back to that. But yeah. My last historic, personal historic story about Final Fantasy. I love this one. <laughs> I remember this one better. I was old. Yeah, enough. but this one is, is definitely a joint story. My part in it is I turned 16 the summer before Final Fantasy VII was released. Uh, it came out September of 1997, which was my junior year. I'm a summer baby, so I didn't have my license until my junior year. And the day Final Fantasy VII came out, during lunch, I drove from Central High School in Grand Junction, Colorado, to the Toys R Us. And that's about a 10-minute drive, assuming no traffic. But of course, everybody was going to lunch, so there was traffic. And so it took me longer to get out there than I thought it would. And I bought a PlayStation and Final Fantasy VII. And I made it back in time for class. I didn't get any food, but I had a PlayStation and I had Final Fantasy VII. And as I recall it, we snuck it into the house. Not necessarily because mom and dad wouldn't have approved or, or would have been mad or told us you know, not to have it, but just because I didn't necessarily want to explain how much money I had spent to buy <laughs> uh, to just to play this game. And then if I recall correctly, we played until our eyeballs fell out that evening. Uh, yeah. I'm sure we didn't get through the first disc. We sure tried. <laughs> uh, we sure tried. And, and I remember the sneaking it into the house, too, and us being like, I'm not sure we need to do this, mm-hmm. but we'd rather just not go through the explanation of what'd you get, why'd you get it, now do you really think that's what you need to spend your money on, and just get right into playing this damn thing. Right. Uh, <laughs> and, and assuming that Mom will be one of the few people who actually listens to this podcast, hi, Mom. Uh, hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know. We're essentially confessing to something we don't need to many years after the fact to a small group of people, one of whom is the person we (laughs) bamboozled with this silly little stunt. I'm not sure we Uh, did bamboozle her. Uh, I'm not sure either. They might have been, what is he doing? Because you went like around back of the house and opened a window. Because we lived downstairs in the basement. And so I was the inside man. I had to go in and... and (laughs) Get it from the inside. You're sneaking in the back door. But you didn't want to come in through the window. That would be suspicious. Right. Oh, for goodness sake. Well, and it's not... I mean, so the PlayStation was then hooked up to the TV, and we played the game that night. So, I mean, it's not that we hadn't played video games downstairs in our room before, but surely it was pretty obvious that there was a new console in the house. Right. And there was this, you know, big music playing, and... Yeah, we had it up pretty loud. I, uh, I can't imagine they were actually... <laughs> I can't imagine we played our parents, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I find that unlikely as well. The second part of all of that that really stands out to me is because, like I mentioned, while it was an unforgettable and, and at time a, clearly a life-changing experience to play Final Fantasy VI... In, in such ways that I'm only now, <laughs> like as we're recording, recalling stuff. Oh yeah, maybe that's why I'm a musician. But Final Fantasy VII, I was in the sixth grade. I was old enough to fully get into more of what was going on inside some of these stories. And it was the first time I could ever recall being at school and thinking about the a video game and not in terms of like, I want to get home and play this video game. I mean, like, sure, there was some of that, but I'd be thinking about what had just happened in the story the day before, what had just gone on with the characters, what were the implications? And I remember Final Fantasy VII specifically being the first time I'd ever finished a video game and felt like I did 
when, you know, you walk away from a really good book, like having read A Wrinkle in Time before, that was always one of my favorites, or something like Ender's Game, and and being in this kind of daze for a couple of, well, days, uh, <laughs> just walking around thinking about, like, that was so much different than everything else I experience in my life. It just felt so far outside the realm of the thoughts and ideas I was being exposed to at school or by my friends or whatever else it was. It was like we had this gateway into something else entirely. And uh, I think that's really, as much as I'll always say, you know, six still is is my favorite and, and we'll get into favorites and not favorites and all that stuff down the line and and my whole thing about uh, trying to measure things objectively without bringing your favoritism into it. But for me, I think Final Fantasy VII was what ultimately... Like for you, there was that step where you played the first one and then it was, you know, it took a couple to to really sell you on the whole idea. For me, Final Fantasy VII was that one that I just... this, This stuff is incredible and I have to get as much of it as I possibly can. So why do we want to take our time to take a deep dive into the Final Fantasy series? Why is Final Fantasy worthy of deep analysis, not only of characters and themes and plots, but of gameplay and music and graphics? Why is this something that we want to spend time on and that we think others might want to spend time on with us? Well, that's a big question, and there's a lot to unpack there, but as somebody who sent you a text seemingly out of the blue a couple of weeks ago, maybe not even, I don't know, a week ago, that just said, hey, we should do a Final Fantasy podcast, I'll say that my one of my big inspirations was actually a text I sent you a few weeks before that that I don't believe you ever responded to, so I'm calling you out right now, but... <laughs> And again, just out of the blue, and I think I was with Katie, like we were somewhere shopping, and I don't know why I was thinking about it, but there was something to do with music. And I was thinking about how few musicians ever really truly change up their sound over the course of their careers. And I was thinking about movies and filmmakers and actors and how many people who are in the creative arts who essentially get typecast or pigeonholed or you become a certain thing and you can some people are better at finding more creativity inside of their box than others but it can be very difficult to jump outside of a box and typically what happens is people either decide you're a fan of that thing or you're not a fan of that thing and then I started thinking about our favorite video game franchise and how it is so completely rare for a creative person or for a group of creative people to constantly reinvent themselves to the extent that I think maybe the most defining attribute of the Final Fantasy franchise is that there are people who absolutely love it and will fight each other vehemently over which games are better or worse because they're so different from each other. 
You don't have, like, you'll have music fans fighting over which albums are better or worse. Say Radiohead's a good example of a band that actually has changed up their sound over the years. You'll get some debate there. But you're not going to find people who say, like they will, Final Fantasy VII is the absolute best. In fact, it might be one of the best games that's ever been made by anybody ever. Or people who think it's the bane of the franchise's existence. And that's because over the years, they've continued to take risk after risk, reinvent themselves. They did it again most recently with Final Fantasy XV, and they always insist that you judge the new thing based on what it is, based on what it can accomplish, based on whether or not it moves you or not. And for a franchise that has sequeled itself seemingly to death, it's remarkable how different every single entry is. You're right, I did not actually respond to that text, though I did read it, and, in fact, I found it on my phone. The thing you texted was, The reason Final Fantasy is the greatest video game series of all time is because each title has haters, people who love it as well, but the constant risk-taking with continued success is almost peerless among creators over the last 30 years. And then... Yeah. To be fair to myself, I responded with a phone call, not with a text. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, so, so it's all good. Responded with a, an entire podcast about it. So, how about that? Absolutely, but... I am the better brother because I responded with a podcast. <laughs> uh, but, but you know, that is just one of those things that, and it sort of hit me in this moment that it is actually the people who dislike certain games. Because if you're a Zelda fan, you're, you like all the Zelda games. If you're a Mario fan, you like all the Mario games. Mostly, but yeah. If you, Yeah, I mean, there are going to be some that, like, if yeah, if some are cash grabs or if they're just slightly poorly made, but you're never going to have to struggle with new characters to get used to, new themes, a new world, maybe a completely new aesthetic. The difference between Final Fantasies V, VI, and Seven are remarkably stark. Absolutely. From almost straight fantasy to steampunk to cyberpunk in the span of three games that you could easily believe were, were made by completely different people. And they weren't. And these games, when you attempt to measure them objectively, always come out with incredible scores. Various, you know, look at meta scores for each one of them. They rate remarkably high because they've got incredible production values. They're almost never broken. So what it comes down to is personal taste of whether or not you think the characters, the plot, the whatever's most important to you, sometimes the battle system, but whatever it is, is to your taste because it's almost always well crafted. And so it does come down to personal taste. And that's why it's so amazing to me that this franchise has been so successful because the world of music has taught me that if you want to appeal to a wide variety of personal tastes, you make something as generic and familiar as you possibly can so that people always feel comforted by your thing rather than challenging their sensibilities with something new every time out. They want to hear the old classics. They want to hear the stuff that they know is good. And I think there are a lot of video game franchises that kind of do that and that's perfectly fine. But I think one of the things that sets this one apart is that it absolutely insists on not living in that comfortable space of just being able to give people exactly what they're expecting and, in fact, doing the opposite every single time.
The reinvention of Final Fantasy from game to game is one of its strongest, most commonly recurring themes. And we're going to talk about recurring themes a lot. And certainly there is a, you could find a thread from 5 to 6 to 7, not plot-wise necessarily, but thematically. And I think it is uh, one of the hallmarks and one of the strengths of the series, as you have said, that it constantly reinvents itself, but also finds a way to draw on similar themes or to recall things that have come before. And, and because it is so layered, because thematically, plot-wise, character-wise, game mechanics-wise, it manages to so starkly reinvent itself while maintaining certain truths or recalling certain events uh, is one of the reasons that we're going to give this thing a try and, and analyze as deeply as we can individual games, individual themes, individual plot devices, even individual spin-offs like Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, which I swear will get at least three episodes. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to bargain. That's Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. That's a good idea. This will be a, a common theme of us on this podcast talking about, but a manifestation of that that I wanted to mention because I was just at the concert last night was I was just looking around at the different types of people who were there. And it was a far more diverse crowd than most of the concerts that I have ever been to. There were, I mean, there was just no clear demographic. There were younger people, uh, anything from high school looking age, not to overuse the word, but dirty dudes in, you know, cargo shorts and t-shirts to adults in full suit attire to people who came in costume. There was, there's no one group of people who it's for it because it's constantly reinventing itself but as you said the some of the common threads and elements are this amalgamation of all the world's cultures and religions uh, you know and we'll talk about it over and over again in, in each individual game there's so much religious imagery and history and all that great stuff that that we'll dive into and it's one of the reasons why we think there's a lot of material here to to jump into but just as i looked around at the kind of makeup of the crowd i was like yeah something that can appeal to that guy over there and that lady over there is is something interesting and worthy of long in-depth conversation so what we're going to try to do with this podcast series is have a thesis. That is, we're going to try to analyze and explore the themes, stories, and design of Final Fantasy through a variety of lenses. We're going to try to do some deep dives. We're going to look at individual games and events in their own context. We're going to try to look at it from a historical context. We're going to try to look at it from a literary criticism context. What we're not going to do is we're not going to be uh, unnecessarily negative. We're not going to be cynical for the sake of cynicism. We, you and I, I think, agree that uh, cynicism is not analysis. In fact, I think, I think you said that to me before I ever said that to you. And we're going to try to do it, not that we think everything Final Fantasy does is perfect, but that we think it is worthy of an analysis that comes from a place of analysis rather than a place of 
trying to hate on something in order to get attention. Right. Uh, I think there'll be plenty of room to critique certain things and say, hey, this part I don't think works as well as this or whatever. There'll be plenty of room for all of that. But I did write it on here as a, a warning. I, I, I just said, warning, we like all the games. The, don't listen, we really do. Don't listen to this podcast expecting us to side with you if you think four, six, nine, and five are the good ones, but eight, seven, and ten are dumb. Like, no, we like all of them. Some of them maybe a little more than others, but we're very, very pro this franchise, and we're going to spend much more time celebrating the things that we think it does well, the things that are interesting, the conversations it can start, the historical implications, the implications on the way we live our lives. Those conversations are far more interesting to us. So these aren't going to be like retroactive reviews of, of the games. They're going to be conversations about what the games mean. And it's also worth noting that we are not going to present ourselves necessarily as experts on any one topic, that this is going to be as much a learning and remembering experience for us, and that it's going to be as much about, like I was talking about all those other lenses through which we are going to view and analyze Final Fantasy, but it's also going to be a very personal lens. You know, this is what I remember when I played the game. This is the experience I had. This is why I connected to character A, maybe over character B or in a different way than character B. And and so it's going to be about those conversations and less about, you know, this one gets a 7 out of 10 and that one gets a 9 out of 10. I yeah, can't imagine yeah. we'll do any rating of the games. No, I may at some point try to force you to do top fives of things just because I think thought experiments like that can be fun. It does force you to try to explain certain tendencies so i might at times try to get you to rank stuff though i know you're far less into that than i am but yeah we're not going to be we're not going to be scoring things by by any means and the one thing i will say on the lines of us not being experts that i I know you'd be slightly more reticent to do but since i have more of a history of self-promotion why don't i just step out and say quickly that we do both have experience in writing very different kinds of writing you're a novelist which just, i'm trying to be well <laughs> no you have written three novels i've read two of them <laughs> such a jackass <laughs> but uh <laughs> I'll re- i'm getting around to reading that third one but just sure the, sure the, that one needs more work certainly well um just the idea of writing a novel absolutely scares the hell out of me because it just seems like such an enormous task to undertake and what you've done even building you know a whole world uh, to exist over several different stories and and characters and, and and it's much more like a final fantasy type existence and i think having attempted at least i'll, I'll say that though i think you've done a good job but to create a world of your own you have a unique perspective on what a creator of a Final Fantasy type of thing is trying to accomplish that maybe some other people never would. Kind of the same way I might have insight on music stuff. I was never, you know, whatever. I made a couple hundred bucks here and there playing music over the years before I became a sports writer. So I don't get to speak on Jimi Hendrix, you know, more than, (laughs) you know, but, but I kind of do. And I think in that same way, your 
eye for storytelling and under and specifically even fantasy style storytelling. Uh, you're much more well versed in the genre, I would say, than I am in terms of your reading history, your history with D and D things like that. So I don't want to downplay either uh, a, a bit of our, our resumes, so to speak, or our qualifications. I've I write about sports, so that's not really related other than I can string some sentences together and I know what it's like to publish things and get feedback from people. <laughs> so that's that's a certain uh, element of it as well. Sometimes nasty feedback, sometimes perfectly nice feedback. And, and I think the musical, some of my musical history will play a role because we're probably going to take an episode per game to talk about the soundtrack. The music is that good. It's that worthy of each game getting its own episode. And there, I mean, Final Fantasy VI might need two episodes. I think it might be the greatest soundtrack in the history of soundtracks, movies included. I've thought about this way more than somebody else should. So that's a tease for an episode, like 40 episodes from now, but. Right, so maybe that leads us into our attempt at structure is going to be uh, each game will get a, a sort of narrative Recap, wherein we jump into the plot, themes, and characters. The episode after however many it takes to get through that will be uh, about art, music, and gameplay. And then, you know, once we're once we have wrapped up our thoughts on a particular game, before going into the next game in the series, we'll try to do an, an in-between episode about one of the major themes, possibly relating to the next game in the series, uh, a theme that will tie several games together. And uh, if we stick to that, I think we'll have uh, several episodes of, of content that we can share with, you know, our mother. Yeah, I was going to say, with, whoever, <laughs> with, with our mother and like one or two of the people I know who follow my Rockies stuff who uh, are also interested in video games. But who knows what kind of audience there will be for this. Uh, it was mostly, as I said on a recent one of those Rockies podcasts, mostly just an excuse for me to get to my, talk to my brother about this stuff that we really like and, and act like there's a reason we're doing it rather than just talking to each other on the phone. But I, also because I have noticed there's a lot of deep dive stuff. And, and I think another thing that got me on this train is I've been doing some deep dive in Game of Thrones. I've been watching, there are these great videos that you can watch on YouTube that pour into the history of like thousands of years before the events of the show and all of this stuff. And um, there are some gr guys I really like who do deep dives into comic book stuff that I'm like, yeah, doing these deep reads not just saying, here's why I think the product was good or bad, but here's what I think the product means, what it's trying to say, why it might be interesting to our lives. Hopefully, if you have clicked on this, you find that it fills that particular need in your life that, that I happen to have in mine. <laughs> Thanks for listening. That's it for this episode. You can follow us on Facebook or Twitter at FFWeeklyPod. You can send questions, comments, or links for us to check out to finalfantasyweekly at gmail.com. Join us next time when we choose our classes, rescue a princess, and set out to restore light to a quartet of crystals.
Once again, thank you all so, so much for listening. If you can't wait until tomorrow to hear the next episode, do go to patreon.com slash ffweekly. And if you're curious about any additional Final Fantasy content, Marvel stuff, Star Wars, Rockies baseball, if that happens to be your thing, but original music, mostly folk and acoustic, please do check out patreon.com slash Productions. Any and all help, even if it's just spreading the word, goes a long, long way.